This is the Audio Podcast, episode 101, Nam and Cheese. It is the 28th of January, 2014. I am Samuel Freeman, and yep, I'm here along with... Uh, Adam Yanch, as usual. Um, Don't forget, of course, you can get in contact with the Audio Podcast uh, on a variety of methods, and I think Scott will tell us what those are. Best way to get in contact with us is at the Audio Podcast on Twitter, but you can also email us show at theaudiopodcast.co.uk, and we're also on Facebook and Google and, Plus. And, and Scott, can you tell me? Because I'm actually in the process of writing a tweet right now. What is the YouTube link for the Audio Podcast? The YouTube link is YouTube.com/slash/theaudiopodcast. Oh, and you can actually see the live audio podcast happening when we do it. When, when which is right link, now that's amazing which, which is right now for us um, and that so I think that that will be embedded at the top of show no the audiopodcast.co.uk slash show slash 101 which is where to get the notes at any time whether we're live or not so big news awesome. this week of course is that uh, last week it was Nam but we did the show before Nam had really started properly so now we're doing the whole catch up thing so Indeed so. I think we should begin with that because there's quite a lot to get through. There, there, there's loads of stuff. So I, I think the theme is there's lots and lots of sound cards. There's lots of Thunderbolt sound cards, microphones, more headphones, <laughs> and other stuff. Eventually we'll get to the other, and then we'll get to the plunder. But it's news time to start off. I'll, I'll start off with the first one here, which is Universal Audio have introduced the Apollo Twin, which is the first of all the many Thunderbolt sound cards. Um, obviously designed to be working with the new generation Macs, um, this one here is the 24-bit, 192K um, sound card. Uh, two in, six outs on it, so it's designed for kind of home use, you know, probably more for home use than studio use. Um, and the great thing about, obviously, Universal Audio uh, card, sound cards like this is they come with support for the processing that they have, the UAD processing that is on board, which is pretty Nice. Cool. And I've just opened up the uh, the page here. And it's, a, it's one of those nice desktop controllers, so you get the dial on the top and you've got some buttons, you can plug your headphones into the front, you can plug your guitar into the front um, and leave all the other cables to go out the back to your various equipment. Oh, it looks very nice, doesn't it? It's cool. A, a piece of technology they have built into this one, which is going to be rolled out onto the quad and the, tw- the, the quad and the twin, is it? No, this is the twin. The, the quad and the other, the other sound card they do <laughs> is their new Unison um, technology as well, which is, which kind of provides an integration between the preamp and the emulation software, the emulation processing, to actually allow you to recreate um, emulations of previous styles of preamps. So mm. old kind of analog desk preamps as well, which I'm never sure about these things, but... <laughs> We, we've, well, we talked about this last week, didn't we? You know, like, is emulation of hardware, more often than not, it feels like you're emulating faults of older hardware, which became characteristics purely because well, they were unavoidable. That's, that's exactly it. It's the faults or the, uh, the colouring of the sound that actually gave the original hardware its character, and that's what you've got to try and process to copy or to, you know, to do that with this, uh, with this software stuff. But, you know, don't forget that that's one way of doing things and you don't need to have all that stuff. You can make music whichever way you want to make it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess anyway, the, um, anyway. Okay, yeah. 
a, a new a new sound card, Thunderbolt. The Thunderbolt sound cards are arriving, and we're getting two. There's two themes, I think. There is first of all, you're getting very the very high quality variety like this, but we're also starting to see some affordable ones appear as well, and remakes of you know, the kind of classic hardware, for want of a better phrase, like the 828X that we discussed last week as well. So there's lots of options in kind of Thunderbolt space now for people, which I, I think is a great, really, great relief for anybody in audio production work, because the last year has been a little bit terrifying as, you know, as it's been clear that we're meant to be abandoning our firewire interfaces, but there was nothing else available. We're getting more options. We'll see more of those for now. But we clearly, it's becoming, we clearly, becoming an audio oh. podcast speciality. Headphones, Sam. Headphones, yep, okay. Um... The new ones that we're talking about now is the Audio-Technica ones, which are the Next Generation M series. Woo. Sorry, I can't be excited about it. Um, they, they've all acquired an X. That's it. At the end of and their barcode. Just like the 828 last, uh, last week. Yeah. So basically that means these are Thunderbolt headphones? Uh, so it was like, I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's true. I, I too struggled to... Um, you know, to, to be excited. The, the summary I could possibly make is that the 20, the 20X and the 30X come with fixed cables. The 40X and the 50X come with detachable cables. Because I actually think that, for me, that's an interesting feature. And the 50X is also available in a limited edition blue. There we go. And the, the ones with detachable cables, can you get, uh, can you choose a coiled or a flat cable? Do not quote me on this entirely. I'm working off memory here. But the 50X comes with three detachable ca cables, of which... One is coiled, one is flat, and maybe the other one is a longer one of one of the other two. And the 40X only comes with two, but I have to be honest, I I wasn't engaged enough with the article to to really care. I, um, I have vital of, news, vital I, news. I, I don't need any more headphones. Though for the headphone buyer out there, you will be happy to hear that the audio podcast headphone special will be released soon. <laughs> I, I have a strange feeling that this headphone special might be the... Pod podcast equivalent of vaporware, but uh, well, let's see. Let's see. <laughs> okay, we've had fundable interfaces, we've had headphones with interchangeable wires, and now we have a USB microphone from SE Electronics. Yeah. This is the SEX1 USB. That's it's a dangerous. A... Uh, that's a dangerous sequence of letters. It certainly is. <laughs> yeah, that made me smile as well. But um, yeah, so uh, the, the SEX1, uh, to be honest, I think the SEX1's been possibly one of their most successful microphones, which when it was first released, a lot of people kind of pointed it and said, oh, it looks a lot like some other things. But, um, you know, it stood on its own and become quite well respected. And essentially what they've got here is the, uh, the, the SEX1 is now with a USB connection rather than a audio connection. Uh, yep, cool. Do you guys like it? Do you do you believe in this? Do you, do you, do you think this is a good idea? Um, it exists, so therefore I believe in it. Um, I don't really mind, you know. As I said earlier, you can do th do things as you as you wish to do them. USB means that you don't need to have a preamp, so it it basically bypasses one step of the process. So it's good for people who just want a microphone and plug into their computer to record something, like uh, like someone who's created creating a podcast, for example. Yeah, I mean, merging it with the previous two stories, I suppose I've um, gone with the USB microphone headphone option today because I didn't have time to plug in a sound card and plug in my preamp and plug in the microphone, having relocated yet again in the past few days. So USB microphones 
very useful for that, but it does mean that you can only use them in that way. You can only plug them into a computer. You cannot plug it into an analog desk. Yeah, so you lose a little flexibility, but you gain uh, a shortcut. And it depends if that's it. If you'll know if you're in the market for a USB microphone <coughs> or if you're in the market for a non-USB microphone. Now, what you might not know you're in the market for is a two-in, two-out audio interface with Thunderbolt. Wow. And uh, if you are in the market for that, Zoom have got something for you. Yep, Zoom have the TAC-2, um, which I'm just looking, you've mentioned the Thunderbolt, but does it have other options as well, or is it just Thunderbolt? It is just a Thunderbolt thing, yep. So, yeah, you've got 24-bit, 41 up to 192 kilohertz, 2 in, 2 out. It looks quite, as a little unit that you put on your desk, it looks quite tasty. It's kind of, again, it's like the, uh, the Apollo one we just mentioned. Uh, it's a desktop type thing with a knob on the, on the top. Um, what I really enjoyed about this, uh, if you go to the web page, again, you can find the, the web page link at the audio podcast show notes. Uh, it's got this section about Thunderbolt, the ultimate in high-speed connectivity, and a graph showing USB 2 speed, Firewire 800 speed, USB 3 speed, Thunderbolt speed. And it's like, oh, oh wow, it's like we've had so much trouble transferring high-quality audio across USB 2 and Firewire in the last 10 years that this, uh, this interface is obviously going to revolutionize <laughs> the whole area. They're, they're very, they, they, they seem very um, uh, enthusiastic, shall we say. I think we should point out that we kind of like often, without noticing, have a very Mac bias kind of thing going on. Do you get PCs with Thunderbolt yet? Theoretically, so. yes. Okay, um, so I'd... I can't think of one off the top of my head though. But I guess there's a that... HP workstations would be a place to start. HP workstations, and I'd be tempted to suggest Acer notebooks because Acer tend to push quite fast ahead. Uh, well, they've got their stock under control. A warning, though, is that on Mac, uh, the Thunderbolt connector will support data transfer and video, but on PC, it might not be the case. They might only be implementing Thunderbolt as a data transfer protocol. But that's not really relevant here. It's just a little uh, caveat that you have to look out for. A, a little caveat that I could offer on, on this story as well is while I was uh, on the Zoom site taking a look at this story, I discovered that Zoom have available PDFs of every manual. Mm. Free that you can download. I thought that was a cool. Well, I, you know, I find most companies have got them actually, Scott. Oh, this was really easy to find, though. Like, you know. <laughs> well, usually they're not too bad to find. They've got better over the last few years for sure. Like Roland used to put them behind the login screen, and you had to log in and da da da. But now most most companies with any sense will have a little area where you can download manuals for stuff. It's often, if you know what you're looking for, I mean, why you would want a manual if you don't know, but I think that these, you can kind of browse to them very easily as what's, as opposed to saying, I have this product, I'd like to find its manual go. <laughs> Which, so, um, like you said, isn't that difficult anyway, so, yeah. There, there we go, anyway, so the Zoom Tac 2, 2 in, 2 out, Thunderbolt interface, um, it has high-performance Burr Brown preamps, which wasn't a name I particularly knew, but perhaps I'm showing ignorance there, I don't know, supported by all Thunderbolt Macs running 7.8.5. I haven't actually, in, uh, Sam, following up from your question there, I don't recall any of these interfaces coming with any sort of statement of 
Windows support, they were all Mac cent all Mac centric releases. I'll make mm -hmm. reference to ten point five, uh, yeah, ten point eight point five even as as a release version as well. So there we go. Anyway, how about mixers? Um, my the I have to be honest, actually, the maker of my favorite small mixer category, um, Yamaha. I love Yamaha small mixers, and they have refreshed the entire small Yamaha mixer line, which is pretty Ooh. exciting. We have the MG series available. Cool. I used to have one of those as well, like a little 12-channel one with a couple of buses on, and I really liked it. It was fairly cheap. Um, it it was well made. It had good chunky buttons. I enjoyed it a lot. So, is what are the updates? Is there anything specifically important about the jump? There's a uh, updates to the preamp. So um, they've cut uh, D pre D, D preamps. So now what they're referring to them. So a little bit there. The single, the I always used to say the the yellow knob single control compressor, which I don't know if you remember from those, continues on as well. Um, they've added more. They it's still not available on every channel and not on every model, but there's more of those available now. Which I actually happen to think is a it's a really useful feature actually. Just having a, a compressor that you don't have to carry, you don't have to actually cable it. It's just there, and if you need it, it's you know it's quite well set up to solve the kind of most obvious problems that you you tend to get as well. Something they have done though is they now re they've now released alongside the standard MG series um, a set of XU versions, which Ooh. come with uh, USB 2 interfaces. So and they run a nice blue little section on them, like this yeah. kind of nice little graphic on the thing. Sorry, I was just looking on the website. Oh, no, Keep that's going, fine. Scott. Keep they, going. They, they come a uh, 24, 24 bit, 192k interfaces, and quite interestingly, come are driver supported by the iPad camera connection kit. Like with either Lightning or the original interface as well. And now we've argued a lot about interfaces for, you know, iPads and things like this. And I have to be honest, this is one that, as bizarre as it sounds, this is one that makes more sense to me. I, I can see the situation where I've got my mixing desk, I'm set up to go, and then I'm like, oh, you know what I could do? And out comes, you know, out comes the device and plug it in and make the make the recording off the interface. Because, like we were saying with the USB microphones, though, whereas you've got the versatility, it is an anal you can use it analog or with the USB. The USB is like an add-on extra. It works on its own. You don't require the I thing to make it happen. And did you mention, Scott, that these uh, the Yamaha desks, you can get them with built-in effects and also sounds built-in effects as well? I had not, but that, that's, that, that is correct. Adam, yeah. So they're available in three... Is it three configurations or four configurations? You get it just the desk minus effects minus interface. You get the desk plus the effects, the SPX effects. You get the desk plus the interface, I think. And then is is there a one which is the effects and interface, or is it just that the larger no, no. desks? I'm, I'm here on the... Oh, I don't know. I'm on the MG16XU page, and that says that it comes with high-grade effects, S SPX effects with 24 programs. Cool. So you let get me it with everything. Let's have a quick look at one of the. Uh, let me look at the one of the smaller ones, and that might. Uh, While you're looking at that, I'll just mention that the um, the bundled software little light version that you get with the USB ones is um, Cubase AI, which I quite. I, 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 Ooh, uh, you do get effects with these uh, XU, well, the smaller ones as well. The the little uh, MG10 has got effects built in as well. Excellent. Excellent stuff. There we go. Cool. So I'd, I'd, I'd highly recommend those. It actually, at the moment, I'm running through an ultralight um, for my preamp today, but I was almost tempted oh, to get Scott my little desk here. out of its cupboard. I was tempted to get my little desk out of the cupboard just for today's show, just to use it, but I left it as it was. Cool. Should we go on to the next one? 
Yes, is this the um, controller? Oh, I've got... Trigger finger. Trigger finger, yep. Got an echo coming back on someone there. Um, yep, MODO Trigger Finger. This is a, a name that's been around for quite a while, but is a new product with that name. So it's for triggering drums and controlling drums, 16 pads, four knobs, four dials, four buttons, all of these things on six on four banks, and you've also got 16-step sequence Ooh. of buttons along the bottom. Yep. So I found an old picture of one, which is a plasticky old thing. I think this is a new one. This is these bigger trigger, uh, bigger trigger, trigger, trigger finger pin. pro. So it's a pro version, and it's an update of their of the old one, I believe. Yeah, it, it's pretty cool. I, alongside that, buried in the bottom of the notes as well, I, I got to that point where I was just tired of you know covering every release. So I started wrapping some together. So um, along with the Trigger Finger Pro, there's also releases of the Axum Air 25, Air 49, Air 61, and the, the Air Mini 32, which I thought looked pretty cool, actually, as a smaller interface. And not to be left out of the interface <laughs> releases, um, M-Audio have also released the M-Track 8, which is an 8-track, 8-input uh, eight, eight USB audio interface, 2496K, and a M-Track Quad, which is a 4-channel 2496K as well. And interestingly, the M-Track Quad comes with four TRS inserts, which I thought was an interesting, an, an unusual thing to appear on a device of that of that kind, actually, but kind of interesting anyway. Indeed. I was thinking about inserts of that kind recently, actually, with their Y cables and everything. Um, just going back to the trigger finger momentarily, because the interesting thing about it is that not only is it a MIDI and... Um, Mackie HUI interface. It comes with its own software now, which is called Arsenal, which you can load a VST into to save you having to map through other things, if that makes sense. So it's kind of got its yeah, own... M-Audio's take on the Novation... I can't remember what the Novation system is, where you can map the their controllers up onto the screen or something like that. I can't remember. Yes, yeah. So you've got a, a software representation of the hardware into which you can load your drum machine. Ah, excellent. Right, now, something that we were talking about last week, but in a kind of speculative capacity, was the potential release of some new Moog synthesizers, including the Sub-37. And what we found out now is that they were true. So, yeah, uh, go, go ahead, Sam, go ahead. Um, yes, yeah, so we talked about the Sub- whatever, but this, the, the, the new Theremin, the Theremini, it's a crazy looking thing. <laughs> That's all I have to say, really. It's small. It's, cool. and it's... it's definitely cool, isn't it? The, um, so we got the Sub-37 right. If you want to hear our discussion about the Sub-37, listen to the show 100. We, uh, we were pretty much on the money of that, which I thought was cool. And um, yeah. and then Moog Music have released this Theremini, which is, um, has oh. a couple of cool features. It's a Theremin with a built-in tuner. And also has a, I don't know if you guys spotted this, but it has a sensitive pitch correction. So in actual fact, you can tell it only let me play as only let me play delimitations of a scale, and it will only let you play delimitations within a scale. Ooh. So I, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, makes sense. I have to say, I was more interested in the sub 37. I thought that looked much more interesting. It's a, it's a paraphonic, two a two voice paraphonic synthesizer. So it looks kind of like a, a mini Moog almost. But it's a little bit more interesting because you have the two voices, which you can split or you can have on one uh, one particular program. Mm -hmm. 
and it's got a lovely little yellow insert in the in the in the pitch wheel, which looks amazing. <laughs> awesome. I think we're done there. I think we we can now move on to more more interfaces, and these are core interfaces as well. So, Alessis. Yeah, Alessis core interfaces. There's three of them. I'll, I, I'll just run through them quickly, I guess, maybe. Um, so the core one is a, a 48K max resolution single channel single channel interface. Um, I actually think that's a great product for pe like people like this, podcasting, actually. It's a, it's a great product for that kind of thing. Let you use proper mic, uh, proper monitoring from it, but you know, some game control. So I thought it was a great product. I, I hope it's keenly priced. Um, the Core 2 and the Core 8 uh, both support 96K uh, sampling rates and come with the corresponding 2, two in, 2 out, or 8 in, not quite 8 out. <laughs> so I'll start left for that there as well. But I, I thought they were cool. Um, now, yeah. Scott, can you tell me if there's... Is there another company releasing some audio interfaces uh, that they announced at NAMM? I don't know. Hey, I think there is, you know. I think Behringer also have some things, but in the good old USB 2 category. Oh, look at, look at that. Amazing. Euph Amazing. Two Euphoria things. You've got the smaller one, which is the UMC 404, which not surprisingly has four in, four out, and the slightly bigger um, 1820, which has 18 in and 20 out. So they say, and it's USB and it's audio and MIDI, rather, with um, Midas mic preamps. Cool. Behringer cool. for you. Okay. Um, yep. I, I thought it was cool. I like their naming convention. I'd like to encourage everybody to stick with this naming convention as much as possible. Clear numbers oh. in, numbers out. That's, <laughs> that's great stuff. Well, so now yeah, what's the zero for? What's the zero for? On which one? Four oh, zero yeah. Mmm. It should be a 44. That'd be awesome. Forty ins, four outs, quite. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, four ins and zero four outs. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what that means. Something that I did spot, and it wasn't very clear in their writing, and it's not something I've, it's not something I've found clarification on yet either. But as far as I'm aware, the eighteen twenty, um, it, it has digital I/O on it, and it supports SPIDF, ADA, and SMAX up to ninety six K. Though I think. It is actually digital and not optical, but I couldn't get I couldn't get absolute clarification on that. But it's Scott, a say that again. I think that doesn't make sense. You said no. digital and not optical. What do you mean? Yeah, no, that's exactly what I mean. It has a phono connector on the back of the on the back of the 1820, according to the photo, and in mm -hmm. all of the specification language I can find, they use the word digital, not the word I optical. No, I saw on the 1820 page. I saw a picture of. Optical in-out um, connectors, toss toss link. Oh, we have a we have a discrepancy here. I'm working off my memory from yesterday, so I will defer. But um, let me just double check. Let me just. It was something that, that jumped out. Yep, to ADAT, us, it's got ADAT slash SPDIF, so the SPDIF is on coax and the ADAT is on optical. Yeah, there's a picture on the 1820 cool. little page that shows it's got a very weird numbering convention. It says. Out thirteen to twenty and in eighteen eleven to eighteen. Oh, I think I know what that means. Oh, that's a bit weird. Oh, that's 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 fine. That's okay. Well, that's because it's got a different number of ins and outs, isn't it, Adam? So no, no, no. They're the same yeah. number of ins and outs. They're just offset differently. So... No, the total the device as a, as a whole. Oh yes, yes. And they've they've started 
They should number it straight after the. Oh, I don't know. Let's not worry about it. <laughs> there's, there's, there's still some stuff to get through, including um, uh, an article here about the SoftTube Console One, which has uh, been endorsed by Solid State Logic. Yeah. So SoftTube have announced the um, the well announced the uh, SoftTube Console One last year at Music Messer in April. Again, it would have been the Music Messer in April, I guess, yes. Um, they announced it, and it kind of vapor been vaporware for a while, but it was actually around at NAM, NAM and is due for release in February 12th. And it, it's quite an interesting product. The, the, the kind of news item that I picked up on here, though, is that included in the soft tube, included in Console 1, is the ability to provide um, emulation processing of other sound card, other, you know, other devices, and solid-state logic have actually endorsed the emulation of the SL4000D, which has been built for the console one. I see, because I'm trying to figure out, because uh, I'm looking at the SoftTube console one web page, and I'm just trying to figure out exactly what it is and how it connects up to computer and how it integrates into your system. Uh, can you, do, do you kind of know the, the info on that? Uh, to, to to a degree, so obviously it's a product that's yet to yet to have been kind of released or really anybody had any proper hands-on time with. But from from what I gather, the idea is that you will basically load it in as a plug-in into soft, as you would do into your door of choice, your environment of choice. At which point the the digitized audio comes from the computer onto the device on, onto the console one, that then has processing applied to it, which is the kind of soft tube processing is applied to it. That is controlled by the interface, which because the console one comes with a complete set of kind of dials and the, you know I mean it comes with a proper interface to make it easier to work with, and then the audio gets returned back into the environment. So it looks like um you know it it, it looks like an interesting product, and I think it's I'm I'm kind of excited to see it. I actually um one of the places I work we actually have an SSL a SSL desk. Um we have we have two of them and we use them quite often. So I'd be interested to hear the comparison between between this kind of emulation and the desk itself to see what it, uh, see what it sounds like. Scott, can I stop you there? Yes. Uh, Sam, can you hear Scott okay? Yes, and my there was an echo on my voice coming back to my ears, but that has stopped now. Everything okay. seems fine. I, to me. I can't I can I can barely hear what you guys are saying. You've got you've become all kind of uh, Dalek-y in my ears, and I don't know what to do. Do I sound okay still? You yes, do, you do. You, were, you were the Dalek, you think, last, or not last time, but recently. Yep, okay. Um, yeah, two, two shows so, ago. Two, yep. On, back onto the console one. The Oh, my echo's back. Um, <laughs> ah, that's better. You, you're, you're fixed. I can hear you now. Great. Um, so when it... What software is it? VST or is this like Pro Tools or what? Where is this plugging in in terms of software? Oh, so my understanding is it it, it will be plugged in as a it, it's a plugin, like a VST. Yeah. Yeah. Or, so you load it in, and then from there it routes it routes it out from there. It, so it's important to know. I'm saying it's something that's been rumored for a very long time. Confirmation of a release has actually occurred. Is actually occurring, but. It's yet to actually be in the wild, so yeah. That's, well, okay. So assuming it is going to be in a euro, obviously, but all of these protocols are kind of similar, where the host application gives like a, a, a short buffer of inform of da audio data, which is then processed by the plugin, which gives back that much audio but processed into the chain. 
I just, I, yeah, I find that kind of weird, the idea of sending just like a tiny little burst of audio samples through an HD, having them processed and coming back in. Like, yeah, it just baffles my head. I guess it... I, I, guess I, it's I presume like that's a... how it's working. That's, I, I presume that's how it's working. The kind of indicative pricing that's been floating around suggests that it's more than just a more than just an interface mm. like that. And the the way that they were... The, the language I heard was saying things like you need the console one to run some of the plugins that are coming alongside it. Now, that, that's just piecing bits together from people's remarks online and things like that. So it could be way off the mark. But they were the kind of remarks I'd... I'd you know that. We've kind of heard about it. Well, I look forward to finding out more about this anyway. I think it's cool. I'm, I'm really, that's, that was actually one of the things that genuinely caught my, you know, that caught my eye that was released, alongside the Yamaha, the Yamaha upgrade to the desks, because that's something that I actually would deal with for quite often, you know, I mean, I'll be probably buying a couple more of those desks this year, so the new versions are of interest. There we go. Shall we move on to, um, to more hardware releases, I guess? Yeah, yes. I've, I've lost where we're up to. Where are we up to? Oh, is it Neve next? <laughs> Neve. There you go. Anyone? Yeah, Neve uh, have announced 500. the five five one inductor EQ to go with the five hundred series. It's let, let's face it. This is a piece of hardware that is astronomically expensive, but has been released. Will be of interest to those who it's of interest to. I think we should duck through that one. Okay, yeah. so. <laughs> then we're to the Electron announces analog rhythm. An eight voice analog drum oh, machine with say, sample support and sequencing. I, 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 there is hardly any information about this on the Electron website. There it goes to a video, a little kind of advert video type thing. But, oh, I'm really getting into my drum machines now and I'm kind of, uh, I'm tempted. I, it'll be expensive, I imagine, but I'm looking forward to to seeing this when it's kind of reviewed and maybe even having a go on it. I think it'll be a, a fun little thing. Cool. Nord have announced the LEED A1 synth, which is an analog modeling synth based on the engine of the LEED 4. Um, eight oscillator configurations, five LFO modulation envelope, 12 or 24 dB low pass filter. It also includes the transistor and diode ladder filter simulations of the Mini and the TV303. Cool. Again, this is simulations. You know, let's, let's throw in some nice names to draw, grab your attention, but you're not actually getting anything that's named. Just a simulation of it. Ooh, harsh, <laughs> Sam. Harsh. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Okay. Other then. Is that the end of the news? No, um, no, there's one no, left. There's the one left. left. Yeah, saturation of also uh, the saturation knob AAX release has happened from Softube, and it's freely available online. There you go, and it's for it's AAX, so Pro Tools users only, please. Or you can download it if you're not a Pro Tools user, but it won't be very much use to you. Sorry. It'll just take up space. With that, we've made it to the news. And I know I don't I understand you're having some issues with hearing Sam and I at times, but you're working perfectly fine through to us, so we're head straight into the imaginatively named other section where I see um, Adam actually took the opportunity to tweet. Well, I, yeah. I, I posted this um, into the other section because Adam did tweet at the audio podcast um, shortly after our last recording to check out Little Bits Synth Kit, which is a collaboration with um, Korg. And this is a 
small, well, a, a collection of small modular units that can clip together seemingly magnetically. So you've got, I, I should really have it open, but you've got the different parts. You've got a little keyboard bit, you've got the oscillator bits and filter bits, and you can sequence them together by putting them left to right, I think, in the order that you want the signal flow to go, and you can create awesome sounds little bits. This is um, not yet released, but it's available for pre-order, and it looks like a hell of a lot of fun. Cool. Oh. Yeah. Adam's yeah, gone. Adam, but, Adam's <laughs> gone just in time for us to make it to Adam's, the item that Adam added to the show this week. Perhaps he's hoping to join. Shall, shall we say, oh. Let's, oh, he's reconnecting. I could Adam's say a little more about little bits, perhaps. Maybe. Hello, Adam. Hi. I'm back. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. You're definitely the source of the echo as well, but do not let that worry you for now. We will resolve that in the future. Okay. I don't know what it is, but uh, it sounds like everything's better at my end. So are Excellent. we now... Uh, have we got up to the next thing? Have we Have we gone past yes. the little, the little Adam, So, Adam, you've been wondering about uh, a music-centric Mac Pro. Say more. Well, yeah. So I... Um, in the last 24 hours, uh, David Girard, uh, who's a, a creative professional, he does uh, like 3D modeling, this kind of stuff. Um, he's done a creative pro review of the new Mac Pro. Um, it's a fascinating read. I would suggest, uh, if you have the time, it's a fairly long article, but if you have the time, um, have a read, because it really gets into the nuts and bolts of the Mac Pro. One of the interesting things that he says is that, yes, for you and I, um, the Mac Pro seems like this incredibly expensive computer. It's, uh, what is it, two and a half thousand pounds for the base model. But actually, for a, uh, for a workstation-type computer, that's actually very good, uh, very good value considering how it's um, put together. Anyway, so he was talking about how um, the reason why it's so expensive in comparison to an iMac is because it uses Xeon processors uh, and, you know, various other bits and pieces, but it's the Xeon processors that make it most expensive. But the way that this computer works is it's really all about graphics performance, OpenCL, OpenGL performance, and for music people, that doesn't really come into it. Certainly not OpenGL stuff. I don't know if any um, DAWs can make use of OpenCL, which is a way of moving processing or, onto the graphics cards and using the graphics cards in the computer to do some processing for you. Anyway, so uh, that was the reason why it was why it's an expensive computer because of the processors it uses. And then I thought. Well, couldn't Apple make a version of it that didn't use the Xeon processor? That actually used kind of like the processors that are in the uh, iMac, something like that, uh, maybe a better version, like a Core i7. Um, therefore, um, making it much cheaper and also um, making it run less hot. Um, although, actually, the, the, that's not a big problem with this computer. He actually goes into that. But yeah, I was wondering if that would be a, a possibility, if Apple could create a kind of in-between Mac Pro and iMac computer that was basically uh, a de-spec'd Mac Pro. Because, you know, that's something that, that we uh, Mac users are kind of missing. 
you either have to spend two and a half grand on a Mac Pro, which has all this graphics capacity and all of this kind of stuff, but you can't really use that in music, or you go with an iMac, which doesn't have as many ports, and there are some other limitations on an iMac, you know, like you only have the one screen, you can plug another in, but it might, you might want to use your own screens, this kind of stuff. So that was what I was thinking. I, I wonder if, I mean, I guess you two may not have a, a view on this because it's a very specific thing I'm kind of putting forward. Well, I guess the, the, what, what I would perhaps contribute is that the thing I kind of run out of the most often is generally memory on computers. That's I, I increasingly find memory is the limitation. It's very rare. I'll, I'll get to, like, I was working in a live session yesterday, and I got to, it seems... There were a couple of issues kind of cropping up, and I, w I kind of ran a system profile to see what was going on, and I was paging like mad in and out of memory, and that was what was causing me problems. The, the processor was basically skipping along the bottom, and it was running you know, quite a lot of... Pro I was doing quite a lot of stuff. It wasn't just plain files. There was a, a lot of kind of processing going on in there. So I have to be honest to say that I can't recall the last time I ran out of CPU for, for activities, to be perfectly honest. But I you, understand you have run out of memory, though. I have run out of memory, yes. So being able to install more memory in a machine is... And that's, is something, that's something the Mac Pro is, is really great on the Mac Pro, is you can actually put a maximum of... I think you can put a maximum, for sure, of 64 gigabytes. And it's possible, maybe, to do 128 gigabytes, although that costs thousands of pounds or thousands of dollars. Is it um, possible to upgrade the memory in the Mac Pro after the fact? Yes. Yeah. Yes. See, and you can also you can also upgrade the SSD. And in fact, the the processor is technically changeable as well. It's not soldered in. Yeah. Because that's always what I think the the big problem with you know like the laptops and the uh, the the laptops and the iMacs really is because it's so hard to upgrade any parts later on. You're, you always end up adding a lot to the base price because you you really want to fill the memory up as much as you can. Because yeah, you're thinking I, ahead. I always advise people for the future. You know what I mean? In, in in two years' time, the processor won't actually feel that slow, but you will notice the fact that everything you're doing expects there to be twice as much memory as there is. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so you you see that all the, you see that all the time now. I don't know if people you know how many people are aware of it, but it's definitely a kind of problem. And it, it's frustrating because the. Um, the, uh, David Girard actually gives uh, the Mac Pro really good. He, he basically thought that the hardware was really amazing. It was, you know, it's small compared to your kind of normal workstation type computer. It's really quiet. I mean, it would be fantastic for music in that capacity. Um, what was the other thing? It, it doesn't use much power either, so it's a, it's a fairly decent computer on power stakes too. So it's like, as a form factor, it's a fantastic thing. It's just because it's meant, kind of designed for uh, upscale video and 3D work, it costs a lot of money, and that really puts it out of the ballpark of most people who would want to use it in a musical capacity. Perhaps, though, we should we, we should be clear what is, what, it, what is generally understood by the, the term workstation and such. I'm saying these machines, and, you know, HP and other people do make them and, and always have done. These are machines that are built for the professional, time-sensitive world. So th this is for people who are rendering, you know, you're rendering out the news. And, you know, I mean, somebody comes in at five to the hour and has a breaking story and you need a render. 
you, you, yeah. you know what I mean? It's that's what these machines. That's that's like, I guess in terms of creative industries, that is the most typical place. This this kind of spec machine gets placed. And, that's and at why that point, the so cost much. of it. Yeah, at that point, yeah. the cost of it is, doesn't matter. It's you know what I mean? Like, it it redefine it essentially redefines what is possible, and it doesn't matter how much it costs because being able to do it is the important feature. And in fact, he he said it, uh, earlier in his review, considering the the graphics card that is built into it, and that you could have two of those graphics card built in, but you have to uh, build to order it. You can't change the graphics cards in these afterwards. It's actually a very good, or it looked like a very good proposition because you've got a lot of graphics performance for the money. Um, so it, was, it actually looks like a very good computer for certain in certain um, areas. In, in terms of raw specification and cost as well, I've seen a couple of people price up non-Mac versions of this as, as a piece of hardware and they came to the conclusion that you couldn't buy you generally couldn't buy the spec for the money and even it, and even the few times you could get close what you ended up with was a giant box with massive <laughs> fans rather than the kind of small Apple box which is what Apple yeah. have got in instead sort of stuff so I, I think Apple have done incredibly well I think the thing that's going to confuse I think the thing that's going to confuse people a lot with this product though is that it's everybody thinks of Apple as a consumer company and this is not a consumer product. This is a, this is a proper professional level product. And when when we mean professional, we d we don't mean professional in terms of, you know, like in, in terms of like I do things and I consider what I do to be professional. I mean it is professional in terms of something else buys my hardware for me and it doesn't matter how much it costs. That yeah. it's that kind of level. And you know, if it, if it if it performs as well as it, as it needs to, then we'll put the money down for it effectively. Yeah. And, but, and let's face but, it, we we've seen XServe die. We've seen Final Cut Pro become, you know, become Final Cut Pro X. We've seen Logic become Logic X, and this kind of consumerization of all these things. And to be honest, I think it's really it's really exciting that Apple have actually done this, because the, the, there's no reason to make this product. If you're not planning on remaining in the professional space in some sort of way, because but it's, this isn't a product is it, that you buy an iPhone from, you know, it, that's not it's, what it's about. But the problem is, it's too professional for us. Like you or I, we're never going to buy one of these because it's just you cannot you cannot justify spending so much money on all where all the real processing power is in this computer isn't really a, a usable by us. You know, we need a good CPU, yeah, but. And it well, comes it, with a decent it, CPU, but it's also got all this other capability which we can't harness. A, a Xeon processor, though, is blit is massively faster than the kind of standard than your sort of i i9 stuff that you're getting well, into iMacs and stuff like that. I, I don't know. I mean, depending on the test you run, um, he was actually getting results, and he was saying, you know, the desktop parts could actually be faster in these scenarios because the be the desktop parts are actually very good at single threaded work um, and that's what the um, that's probably more like what we're used to in music I guess I don't know but it's more there are multiple threads but it's just the music software doesn't go and use the graphics card to to do its processing or I don't think it does that would be something fantastic if no, you could actually I, build that in. See that's generally yeah I'm saying that there is project there have been projects that exist to use the graphics cards for other things including audio work and they've not really seen any Acceptance, particularly, um, well, particularly in, in recent kind of in, in recent kind of days, I guess. But the 
I think you're underestimating the additional performance that you're likely to get from a Xeon pro from from a higher spec Xeon processor because they oh, yeah, I mean, they they have a lot more cache on they they cache up a lot more the the bus speeds are a lot are a lot higher there's much more bandwidth throughput between them as well and those things like if you and an illustration I always paint for people is if one of the things that people always forgot about the Mac Pro the old design Mac Pro in comparison to the um, you know the MacBook Pros and the iMacs was the Mac Pro literally had twice as much bandwidth between the memory and the processor as a design feature. It was, mm. and, and as a consequence, if you fully if you did something which fully loaded the memory and fully well, fully loaded the memory, then you could run the processor a lot faster because it had the bandwidth to pull in and out of there. So while you're right in saying that most music work doesn't feature that, as an illust- as an example to you, if you were to run if you were to run, say, at 24-bit, 192K, then you'll very quickly be able to load up. You'll very, very, very quickly be able to fill up the memory, and if you and you'll be able to stuff the memory full and then pull it across a lot faster onto the processor. And that's the kind of situation where you're going to see this machine go a lot faster. But again, that's purely a professional concern. People rendering at 24-bit, 192K, yeah. that's that's not the average person. You know what I mean? That's not generally the average person doing that. That is a professional. A very high, a very you know, very high spec, particular requirement, and it's that kind of product that this has been built for. It's, it's and, well, it's and and the problem with comparing it to an iMac is that you can say, okay, here's the price of an iMac, here's the price of a Mac Pro, but the iMac comes with a very good screen built in. So you're buying a Mac Pro for two thousand five hundred pounds, and then you're having to spend who knows five hundred pounds or so on a screen. Or on two screens, or something like that. So you're really pushing into the three thousand pound mark. Oh, oh, definitely do, so. Do and, this. and I always suggest to people, if you're buying hardware, the thing to bear in mind is to consider what you expect the lifespan to be. Bear in mind that it's probably not going to be as long as you think it is, and then consider what else you could do in terms of replacement in that time. So if you buy a Mac Pro, you're probably thinking this is for three years. The reality is it probably isn't. It's probably going to do two, and at that point, it's going to start to feel sluggish. And at that point, if you have a budget of three grand to spend on something else over two years, then you can easily buy two, you know, you can buy this year's high-spec, full-spec Mac, Mac Pro, uh, MacBook Pro, and buy next year's as well, and still yeah. have change. And at that point, these kind of, you, you realize that the time-sensitive, you know, it's for people who really don't care what the cost is, it's all about time-sensitive yeah. kind of content being driven from them, so I like that. And I'd like to just put in, actually, because uh, I, I tweeted, I mentioned uh, David Gerard in a tweet, and he got back to me, actually, just before the show. And he said, uh, won't happen. The Mac Pro needs Xeons for all that bandwidth. Apple won't make a duplicate with different motherboards and non-Xeon. So, yeah, I mean, uh, he, he's right. It would require a complete redesign of the internals of that computer. Well, um, I suspect also the point he's getting to is the fact that it has, what, six Thunderbolt connections on it or something like that? Yeah, no. six Thunderbolt ports, four USB 3 yeah. ports. You see, if you think six Thunderbolt connections, what is it, a gigabit per second on each one? And there's two channels on each port. Ten on each, isn't it? it is, is it ten on, yeah, ten on, ten each. on each? There's two channels on each port, so that's 12. That shows you the kind of theoretical throughput required by the machine, and that's where the Xeons are going to be able to keep up with that sort of memory throughput, whereas but that is, the that i9 the, can't architecturally. The, the reason it has so many ports like that is so you can run three 4K screens, for example, yep. and that's not something that us musicians need to do. So I don't know. It's a shame because the problem, I have to say, oh, it's a nice idea, 
But what it will do is cannibalize high-end iMac sales, and it'll cost us a lot of money to make, so it's just not viable in a business sense. And that's a real shame, because I feel that musicians have been kind of left out of Apple hardware for quite a long time. Like, the Mac Pro, the old Mac Pro, was the, the thing. And <laughs> So what you're saying, Adam, is that... You waited so long for Apple to get around to updating Logic that now they've done it, they should give you a computer as well. No, but how did I say that? <laughs> no, you didn't say that. I was just trying to interrupt they the flow. Should, they should design a computer for me. They should design yeah. a computer for me. I mean, the we're thing not is, done. I'm, we're still arguing. We're not done. We're still arguing. Okay. When I first saw the new, the new design, when they announced the new design months ago, I thought, oh, that looks good. And I, I didn't think it would cost £2,500. I thought that would be something, the low-spec one you could probably get for under two grand. And let, you can't... Let, let me revisit this from a different angle, if you don't mind, momentarily, Adam, right? Which is that I think the world, the audio world that needed the Mac Pro no longer exists. And my evidence for that would be the simple fact that interfaces, high-quality... High, high, high High-channel count interfaces sit quite happily on FireWire buses, have done for a long time, and will sit happily on the Thunderbolt devices now they're arriving. No problem at all. We don't tend to use hardware processing cards internally, and the few that are kind of coming about are being built as external devices and increasingly being built alongside interfaces as well. Mm. And as a consequence, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't think of a card right now that I need to put into a computer. Everything I have is on external buses, and therefore I have no... I have no need for it. Yes, it, there, there might be things that are cool. Like I, you said a couple of times, we don't need four, you know, four four K screens. Well, I'd actually disagree. I I run out of screen real estate all the time. I'm sitting here with three right in front of me right now, and I could use a fourth quite easily. No problem at all. So, yeah, but you, know you, you could run six normal. I'm talking about four K screens, so high high resolution screens. But you could run, yeah. I mean, that would be useful to you, though, to have a Mac Pro, but a music-based Mac Pro that uh, has four Thunderbolt ports, for example. Perhaps so. I think, I, I think Apple have got it right with this. I, I think this is the product that reassures the professional market that Apple are still for them, mm. are still the right place to go. I suspect that as the in a, I, I suspect that we will see different spec versions of this appear, and I would dare go as far as suggest that there will be a low that this sort of spec model will exist for a su possibly a surprising amount of time. I can see them upgrading the internals, but keeping the old internal version available, the old config available alongside it for a bit. I think and you're that right. could see you could see this device with you know you could see this config with a thousand pounds off in a year's time. I think and in a year I think or that's two, a good strategy for them. when when Intel have brought down the price of the current model of Xeons that are powering this computer, I think you're right. I think we're going to see Mac Pros go underneath 2000 but it's just galling to see it straight out being so expensive and it's like oh i saw one in a, in an apple store recently and i thought yeah that's a cool piece of kit that it's a really really nice piece of kit but you you we know they got the pricing right and in fact they probably there's an argument to say they even got the pricing too low really because let's face it the day they were announced for sale they sold out of every model they had available until february so <laughs> you know what i mean like they sold everyone they could possibly sell and then started selling stuff with a month's lead time on it. So, you know what I mean? I'm saying yeah. every other vendor in this space, every other computer vendor in this space would dream of being able to release a desktop model without a screen and be able to sell a year's, uh, you know, two months worth of inventory immediately. 
They, you know, what I mean, nobody else does that. So, well, you know it's been mean? building up for so long. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. There so go. anyway, that I think maybe that's a that's a, a nice little discussion because it's kind of maybe reordered the the thoughts in my head, and maybe it's not so bleak after all, eh? Not so bleak after all. Uh, and you know, maybe what maybe our listeners have some opinions. If you've got an opinion, I, I have you bought a Mac Pro? If so, why not let us know? Maybe you uh, like like Adam, you're disappointed by the price, and you want some other model. We'd love to hear from you. Um, you know, tweet something at the audio podcast or send us an email or something on Facebook or something like that. But I think we should declare the creatively named other section done. done. Um, I, I think if done, Sam think. is typical of our listeners, then Sam has fallen asleep almost. So we'll let Sam head into the plunder section for us here. Right, well, I've not, I find that very, I don't have much to contribute, but I enjoy listening to such a debate. Um, so we're on to the plunder, are we? I, I did at one point when you were talking, <laughs> I tried to watch the plunder, but um, I... I I couldn't figure out a way quickly of turning you down whilst listening to the video. But in the, so I didn't. But what we have in the blender here is a project called Max Shatner. What what is no sorry I can't. An evening with William Shatner. Asterisk. I think it, it, what? it's a, a stand art project that okay. uses Max and takes uh, media from a database of clips from original Star Trek. The first three series of original Star Trek. I, that's I mean, I, to create sentences from the dialogue. Yeah, that, that's correct. Rob Ramirez, who produced the work, um, actually works for Cycling, uh, Cycling Seventy Four, and it's using the SQL Lite implementation that's available inside Max now. Yeah. Yes, which is basically actually available inside your Mac, and Mac, Max Cycling Seventy Four. I've just opened, run it through into Max, so you can you kind of. Go through straight through in like that. It's really cool. Does that mean it doesn't work on Windows? Yeah, uh, it will work on Windows as well. Well, you could install that kind of thing on Windows. I'm just saying that there's a okay that it's built into the API for designing apps on a Mac. Cool. And with this, we bring to a conclusion this week in computing, this week in databases, and this week in differences between different things. No, surely not. <laughs> None of the things. That that is the end of this week's the audio podcast. Though I, I, we must declare ourselves done. We've almost hit an hour. We and we may be approaching the hour mark. If you enjoy the longer show, you should. That's something that people could tell us as well, actually, isn't it? Because I think we sometimes think that you don't. People don't like long shows, but maybe you do. You could let us know. Um, if you've got any other remarks, we'd love to hear from you. Um, at the audio podcast on Twitter, show at the audio podcast.co.uk, and you can find all the show notes at the audio slash show slash 101. Yes, that's the show notes there. See you go. So if you enjoyed the show, subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, now on Gpodder as well. How about that? We remembered to mention that. I'm glad that my little thing just flashed up to remind me of that as I hit the end of the show, which is cool. There we go. I'm going to say bye. I'm, I've been Scott Hewitt. I never said my name at the start, but other people alluded to it, so that's fine. <laughs> I've always have had a pleasure. Adam, I look forward to clashing with you again over such important matters. Scott, I, I do not believe there was a clash. I believe we had a, uh, a very solid discussion about various things this week. Uh, goodbye, everyone. I've been Adam Yanch, and we have also had the input from... Samuel Freeman, that's me, and will continue to be. Until next week, y'all, bye. Bye. Bye, bye, bye.